Let's pray together. Almighty Father, we're so grateful. Grateful that you are a God who shepherds us, who calls us by name, whose voice we can know. And Lord, uh, we ask that the words of Scripture that we've heard this morning can be that guiding voice. That, Lord, they can be seeds in our hearts to bear fruit in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Samuel Kaitare and I worked together for four years at Holy Trinity Cathedral. When we started, the 600-seat cathedral space had a dirt floor and no paint on the walls. I arrived one month before him, and Archbishop Raja sat me down to explain who my new boss was going to be. And Archbishop Raja has this deep voice, and so he says, Brandon, this Samuel, he is a pastor. A pastor! And at the time, I thought, well, duh, he's a pastor. Otherwise, you wouldn't be moving him to this position, which honestly just shows how ignorant I was. The archbishop knew exactly what he was saying. He said he needed a person who would come not just to hold the title of pastor, but to be a pastor. To be a pastor. Somebody who would actively pursue his congregation, his sheep. Samuel was made the archdeacon, which allowed him to pastor many of the other pastors throughout the diocese when the archbishop was off doing other things, important things, international projects, national coalitions. I was 25 years old when I started working under Samuel, uh, and I had only been ordained a couple of months. I learned so much from Samuel. Every day I was working with him. And in a very short period of time, I watched him go from being a complete stranger to this congregation to completely winning over the hearts and minds of their people, in large part because he was in it with them. Samuel visited home groups at night. He gathered leaders in the congregation, and he listened to them. Samuel understood the complex dynamics of our setting where wealthy urban elites mingled and commingled with the majority of the congregation, which was from the slum just down the hill. Samuel was one of the best preachers and thinkers in our diocese, focusing on texts and bringing them to life in the congregation. He rolled up his sleeves, and he was not afraid to let others shine and be the star. But he also was not afraid to provide the strong leadership when it was needed. He visited the sick, he found the lost, and he knew what people needed. Samuel loved that congregation. And Samuel loved the archbishop and served him faithfully. He was, as archbishop promised, a pastor. Samuel grew up in a little cattle herding family on the eastern side of Rwanda in the middle of a large family. I think he was uh, like one of eight children. And when he was a young child, maybe eight or nine years old, maybe ten, he and his brothers were charged with chores, uh, protecting the cattle. See, cows were their lives, and they loved their cows. Uh, everyone in Rwanda loves their cows. And in the 1980s, there were lots of lions that would roam these hills at night, and he and his brothers were charged 
with taking turns scaring the lions away from the cows. One, flat, one of them, he told me this story, and he said that he had the torch, and he'd have to have the torch, and then I realized he's not talking, I'm picturing some, you know, something like Lord of the Rings with this huge stick flaming. No, he's talking about a little electric flashlight. So his job was to hold the flashlight and to look through the, gra the, gla the grasses until he saw those big yellow glowing eyes back at them and to continue holding the flashlight steady while his brothers took sticks and tried to beat away the lions. <laughs> Someday when my children are the same age and they complain about chores, I'm going to tell them this story. It wasn't until much later it wasn't until much later that I realized Samuel learned what it meant to be a shepherd, what it meant to be a pastor as a young boy scaring off predators in the night, because that's the way that he pastored our congregation. He knew what it meant to lay down his life for the flock. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how important those cows must have been to ask your children to do such a job? This is not the kind of thing you ever hire someone to do. In John 10, it says, talks about the good shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, or the lion coming, and leaves, and the sheep flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus has a clear vision. He has a clear vision of what it means to be a shepherd, to care for the flocks of Israel, and he has... The words, that we, the words that we heard in Ezekiel 34 this morning in mind when he talks about hired hands, the bad shepherds of Israel. The leaders of Israel have never lived up to the hope of the Lord. They were never servants of the Lord and the people, but served themselves first. David was a king who came closest to what the Lord intended for his people. He also scared off predators in the night as a kid. But as we know... Even he did not live up to what we needed. But Jesus, Jesus in his line, in David's line, the heir of that kingship which had been so longed for, a shepherd king who will serve the sheep rather than extract wealth and honor from them. When David was a young man, he had a lot in common with Archdeacon Samuel. He was a boy fighting off predators with a sling and some stones. He risked his life for the animals that he cared for. And Jesus is saying that he is not like those bad shepherds that we all know, that the people knew. That he is not like a hired hand who's going to run away when the going gets tough or the howling or growling starts in the darkness. No, he lays his life down for the sheep. And of course, Jesus does lay his life down for us all. In the garden all in the garden of Gethsemane, all his disciples scatter, even loudmouth Peter. They all act like hired hands, running away, 
but not Jesus. He walks through the valley of the shadow of death, abandoned, so that all the rest of us who feel abandoned will have his companionship in that way. And after the resurrection, Jesus meets Peter, and he asks, Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Peter, do, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then tend my sheep. Do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter was unable to be a shepherd when the wolves came in the garden that night. But the resurrected Lord breathes on him and now invites him to be a shepherd under him. Peter is not able to be the good shepherd. Only Jesus is that. They always remain Jesus' sheep. But Jesus invites Peter to help him feed and tend them. And I believe in this moment, Peter becomes a shepherd instead of a hired hand. It's in this moment that Peter learns the calling, that the Lord is asking him to lay down his life for the sheep, for the future flock, all of us, that the cords of that calling are going to be bound around him and drag him into places he does not want to go, like his own crucifixion upside down. And it's all for the sake of love. Love of the sheep and love of that good shepherd. And it's only because of Jesus, the good shepherd, that anyone else can even try to be a shepherd following him. Archdeacon Samuel was a shepherd of his flock in Kigali because he knows Jesus is their good shepherd and because he knows Jesus as his good shepherd. And almost exactly one year ago, I preached on this text to you all. It was one of my very first sermons. And I said, I said that Church of the Cross was in a time of transition, but that there was no such thing as an interim good shepherd. Jesus is your shepherd. Jesus is your good shepherd and was when Church of the Cross was a little prayer group. Jesus was your good shepherd when your first pastor was called. Jesus was your good shepherd when that pastor left. Jesus was your good shepherd through this entire interim season, and Jesus will be your good shepherd now that Dave is your new rector. And I can speak from experience that there are indeed wolves that howl at night, and Jesus himself has time and time again protected this flock from and one year ago, I made you this exact promise. This is words from my sermon. Until the day you welcome your new shepherd, I am giving this church all that I have. I am here to stand in the breach with you. I may be an interim, but you are not getting half of me or half of my heart. Wherever and whenever you need me to be here for you, I will be. You are not without a shepherd, and you never will be. Today is that day. I have walked you through this transition, and now I get to hand this block over to your new pastor, Dave Friedrich. 
And in this final sermon, I want to encourage you all and encourage Dave in particular as your new pastor. I'll start with some words of encouragement for this congregation. First, let Dave into your lives. When I started this job last April on Zoom, I was flying completely blind. I mean, completely blind. And so many of you opened your lives and hearts and stories to me, even when you knew that I was going to be gone. I would never have been able to pastor you all if you were not willing to take me in among you. I always tell people that they should never trust a pastor who doesn't smell like sheep. Dave smells like sheep. He and Anna are both eager to be in it with you. Dave will stand in the breach with you and will stand up to wolves. I know that for a fact because he and I have done so together. You can trust him with your joys and your sorrows, and you can trust him to lead you to Jesus, but you got to let him in. So let Dave in. Two, let Dave be Dave and Jesus be Lord. Church of the Cross has years of rich ministry, years of which you can look back on fondly. And that is a good thing. But do not get stuck in the past. The same Lord who authored all those good things has new good things for you. Let Jesus be Lord. Let him make this church into what he calls it to be and not what you are remembering it to be in the past. Let the Lord use Dave's unique and particular strengths and passions to lead you along old paths and new paths alike. There are new things ahead, and it would be an absolute tragedy for you to miss them because you are pining for things that used to be. So let Dave in. Let Dave be Dave and Jesus be Lord. And third, fight for Dave and his family. Most people have no idea how powerful words are, both to build up and to tear down. Dave and Anna and Cole and Adam have opened their hearts and lives to you. Be as kind and encouraging to them as you have been to me. Build them up and support them. Pray for him and them. Be for them. And Dave, a few words of encouragement to you as well. First, Dave, you are not alone. You have been called to leave and serve this church as the rector, but you are always first the follower of the Good Shepherd. You are not alone because you are always serving under Jesus. You will find that Jesus sends you his spirit at just the right time and in just the right way when you need it most. And when your back is up against the wall, to allow you to leave this church well. But in addition to that, you have a team of incredible leaders around you in this diocese, in this congregation, and especially this staff. Any rector would be lucky to have Ryan and Pete and Rebecca and Patrick and Megan and Daniel Tavani working with them. Do not be afraid to ask for their help. Share this burden with them. You are not alone. Second, 
Do not be afraid when the wolves come, because trust me, they will come. For this flock, for your family, and for you. But do not let your heart be troubled, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In the next decade, this church will continue to be more and more strange by the world's standards. And the discipleship and faithfulness of this community will be under constant pressure. Resist the devil firm in your faith. Be charitable as we navigate these uncharted waters together and steadfast in what you know is right. Do not be afraid. And third, love covers a multitude of sins. Dave, you are going to screw up, and that is okay. I can speak from abundant experience that this congregation is a very forgiving congregation. Just remember that love covers a multitude of sins. This is love, that one lays down their life for their friends. Love this flock as Christ loved you, and the rest will take care of itself. And now I just want to say thank you. Thank you for letting my family be a part of this community in this absolutely crazy and uncertain year. Thank you for your kindness to me, your prayers for me, your patience with me. I owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to our staff, to the parish council, and in particular to Sarah Baker. Most people have no idea how much weight she has shouldered this year. And I could not imagine a stronger and more virtuous person to share this leadership with these past 13 months. So thank you, Sarah. My final words to you are the ones that Archbishop shared with me about Samuel so many years ago. Church of the Cross, this Dave, he is a pastor. A pastor. May the Lord bless you and keep you, Church of the Cross. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.